Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. It's good to be back. Um, love being here. Last week I had the privilege to speak um, at a church in Red Deer, um, and it was a great church experience uh, to to be at to be present and to be able to minister to other churches that that's also that's on fire for God and and the people love God and the praise and worship was powerful and but it's so good to be back home again. So um, it went from the afternoon I showed up there Saturday afternoon four o'clock and it was nine degrees. And I um, got my suitcase out of the car and I went into the hotel and I thought I was going to go buy a coffee at about 5.30 in the afternoon uh, just across the street. And when I went outside, it dropped to minus 18. (laughs) From 9 to minus 18 in an hour and a half. I'm like, what is this place? <laughs> like, this is very unique. Um, so very thankful to be back here. If you're new to the church, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we hope that, that you will find um, this place to be home as it is to many of us. Um, right now in the world, there, there's some, some tragic things happening. And um, I, I know and, and I appreciate the fact that, that we are all praying for Ukraine, the nation. But I want to take everybody and challenge all of you. Um, let's not just pray for, you, for, for Ukraine, the nation. Let's pray for every person that's there. God loves the Russians, the Ukrainians, um, everybody involved. Um, he's not about borders. He's about people. And many of the people that, that, that are there are simply following orders that the government's giving them. Um, so let's pray for grace to be present in that place. Uh, It's almost like they say the Bermuda Triangle, right? They say when you go there, it's almost like you can feel there's something in the air. Um, And and I want to ask all of you, let's pray that there's something in the air called grace in Ukraine like we've never seen before. Uh, That people will experience it, that somebody who's who's aiming to take a shot suddenly just experiences love that they can't explain and choose not to take it. Our God can do that. So as a church, we pray for everybody there. We pray for for everyone, everyone who's involved, because every single one of them, God loves all of them. Um, Is that good? Let's pray for them quickly. Can, Can we all do that? Father God, we pray for your grace to be present there in a way that they can almost taste it, Father, that they will experience your grace Um, In the middle of this war and these fighting that's going on, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you will infiltrate the hearts of people, that they will feel love and compassion like they've never felt it before. And Father, we pray for your protection over every single person there. doesn't matter what country they're from. You love them, Lord. You love them. They are yours, all of them. So I pray, Father, you will protect the husbands that are there and the wives and the children and the mothers and the fathers. Every single one of them, Lord, keep them safe and protect them. And Father, I pray for a miracle of grace and mercy and compassion um, over that nation. And I pray that this will be our church's prayer as we continue on, Father. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Okay, so, so we are continuing on with our series um, called Elijah. Um, and today's uh, theme or topic or title for the message is called Snakes and Ladders. Um, and I'll explain to you why very, very briefly. Um, Elijah was a complete underdog in this series. He's like the, the only one um, that was still fighting for God. And what we're going to look at today from the life of Elijah is we are going to look at another kind of supernatural miracle that took place because this guy's life was filled with miracles. And I'm not talking the kind of miracle that involves money or homes or um, healing or land or power. It's not that kind of miracle. The miracle that we're going to look at today has to do with the need to be lifted out of depression. And man, do I feel this is an extremely relevant message for the world today. The need to be lifted out, out of depression. And you're going to see why as we continue on through the message. You'll be able to recognize and pick up exactly what's going on in the world right now. Um, and you can, you can see this in the life of Elijah. So, I believe there are many of you here. Do you, I don't know if you know this. Men struggle to talk. They, they do. Like I drive Kaylee home from, from <laughs> hockey or softball or wherever we go. And I literally tune out. I do. I, I just, like there's so much conversation that's going on that, that I can't handle it. Men struggle to talk. And, and I know men that many of you here are sitting here and, and you don't have someone that you can share with and be vulnerable to and share your emotions and your victories, and your failures. And right now in the world, men are committing suicide at a rate that is shocking. It is a real issue we are dealing with. Now, allow me to give you a very basic definition of depression. And, and this is, please hear me, um, this is a basic definition so that we can kind of all get to the same page. This might not include everything that you as a person, male or female, or child, young adult, children, um, this might not include exactly how you are feeling, but, but this is a basic workplace that we can start from. Depression is discouragement on steroids. Or if I want to offend some people, on a booster. That was just a joke, okay? Jeez, people laugh. You must be able to laugh a little bit. See, see it's discouragement that has now produced an on. It's an ongoing level of doom and gloom and being down. You are so discouraged. It's an ongoing level of emotional pain that you are going through. And when discouragement becomes depression, depression that's unresolved becomes despair. And when depression becomes despair, the ongoing discouragement that has led to depression which has resulted in despair, has now produced in you a sense of hopelessness. There's no more hope. There's nothing that can get me out of this. And what we're going to find, quite amazing, is that Elijah is going through depression. He's depressed. And we're going to find um, in the story that he's in, it's like Elijah's in this deep black hole. And he can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
to the place where he says to God, I want to die. And when we come to chapter 19, we find out um, exactly what left, led Elijah to this emergency shift in his emotions. Something shifted drastically. Because he had this expectation um, after what happened in chapter 18, he had this expectation that everything was going to change. Remember what, what happened in ch chapter 18? At the end of chapter 18, Elijah tells Ahab, the king who was after him for three years wanting to kill him, he says to him, listen, Ahab, cheer up. We're going to go party right now. It's going to, remember last time when I told you it's not going to rain until I say so? Ahab, it's going to rain. Like things are going to, this whole drought, everybody's starving to death. All of that's about to change. Eat, drink, it's going to rain. It's a good thing, Ahab, the drought is over. Chapter 18. And Ahab gets into his chariot uh, because he's going to go back to his castle. And what, what I find quite amazing is, is that Ahab witnessed everything that happened. Now, I want you to, to picture, like I said, you know, if we can go to heaven and ask God to please do a replay of any scene in the Old Testament, this will be one of those scenes that I would, would have loved to see. So Ahab witnessed everything that just happened. He saw that God burnt the altar, the offering, the stones, the wood. The water around it. He saw all of this. An amazing miracle. So in chapter 18, just for those of you that weren't here, remember what happened. Elijah called out the Baal and Asherah prophets and said, listen, let's see whose God is the real God. We're going to have a showdown. And, and then what happened is he says, okay, you can pick any one of the, the oxen that you want to sacrifice. You pick the one you want, put it on the altar. You do your thing. And the one whose God burns up the offering, that one is the real God. And, he, and, he, and they start dancing and they start cutting themselves. And Elijah's like mocking them. Incredible faith. You have to just yell louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's busy. Remember, maybe he's gone aside. He's, maybe your God's busy with the number two. Um, that's literally what he said. Maybe he's busy with the number two, uh, right? So, so he's, he's offending these, these prophets and saying, just do more, right? You want to see your God do a miracle? Just yell louder, cut yourself, whatever you need. So he's very bold. He's got a lot of faith and nothing happens. And so Elijah then rebuilds the altar. Remember that? Rebuild the altar. I, I hope you, you are doing that in your own life. That you are rebuilding an altar of, of going to God. And, and it's not just saying, God, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Because the Bible says the things that we don't do in faith is sin also. It's going to, because I've got many days where I haven't done anything wrong, I think. Right? I, I, like, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I, I've got some really good days. And th then I, I've got days that, that I go to God and I say, God, yes, today I messed up. I got angry. I got agitated. Um, I got lazy. Um, but then there are other days that I go to God where I go, man, I know that you called me to step out in faith today and I didn't do it. Please forgive me for that. Not because he's going to put judgment on me, but because I want to have a loving relationship with the Father who wants it with me. So build that altar. So, so Elijah's like, he, he rebuilt the altar. He prays and God consumes everything. And then they kill all the prophets. 
The 450 Baal prophets, they, they kill them. And they kill all the, the Asherah prophetesses, 400 of them. So 850 prophets die. Now chapter 19. So I want to say this again. Ahab was there. Okay. Now, I want you to see how powerful a woman can be. He, he witnessed all of this. The nation was there. But it's almost like Elijah, Elijah right now, he was the one that did all of this. Elijah's having a snakes and ladder moment. How many of you have ever played snakes and ladders? Yeah, so, so we, it's a great game. Um, we have Lene, and she just recently, somebody dropped off a snakes and ladder, and it's probably as big as this, this thing here on the ground. It's a big one, oversized one. All the things that you move is big, which is way easier because you can move easier, and we're playing it. I'm playing, Ermarie's playing, Kaylee's playing, Lene's playing, all playing snakes and ladders. And, and you know you get to those moments where, where you, you land on a ladder, and then you can go up the ladder, and then if you land on a snake's head, you have to go down to where the snake's tail is. And Lene's doing well. Like she's going up on the ladder to the top. She was behind and suddenly she, she's only two squares away from the finish line. And between her and the, and the finish line, the last square is a snake. And you know what she throws? A one. And where does that snake take you? The one that's right by the finish. Do you know where it takes you? To square number five. Back from number 99 to number five, and she lands on that, and she has this incredible moment of disappointment. Can't believe it. And her being six, we try to ease and comfort as much as we possibly can, but it's the end of the world. So we finished chapter 18, and Elijah and Ahab, they had a ladder experience. They, they, they went from, from feeling lost to a place of complete victory. It's like the end is right there. I no longer have to fear for my life. I don't have to run. I'm finally at a place where I can just live a normal life. I do not have to be fed by ravens. I don't have to eat only bread. For three years, even though it's an incredible miracle, finally things are going to be good. And he's like, Ahab, cheer up, buddy. It's going to be amazing. Eat, drink, have a party. The rain's coming. Now, Elijah, what you find in this passage must have been an incredible runner. Because it said after he told Ahab, go back to the castle, it's going to rain. Ahab gets into his chariot. And it says, Elijah outran him. 15 miles. It's not a little, just a little distance. Elijah runs because he just had a ladder moment. It is so amazing, right? Everything is so good. And he's not running away from the king. He's actually running with the king. How good must that have been? But then there comes a snake event. And her name is Jezebel. See, Ahab had a controlling wife. All the men said, thank you, God. Say it. Say it, men. Thank you, God. I do not have a controlling wife. Say it, men. 
Why? So many of you are sitting next to your wives and you're not saying anything. Say it. Thank you, God. I do not have a controlling wife. Even if you say it in faith. Like, say it. God's, God's a miracles. Oh, yeah, but it, like, you just have to, like, I want you to understand how controlling his wife must have been. Because he just experienced one of the biggest miracles that he would ever experience in his life. He just saw fire coming down from heaven and consuming an offering, which was miraculous. He was there. So he goes home. <laughs> and he had this woman who was telling him what to do. She's like, I don't care what you saw. Or maybe she asked for detail and he was like, oh, I don't want to give detail. Like when Ermi asks what happened, right? I say, she, like I go to a game of Andrew. She, she asks, how do you play? Good. Um, like who was the other team? Delta. Are they good? Yeah. Like who's on the team? Then I have to name players. And like um, when did they score? Then I have to give the number. Then uh, like there's like 800 questions. And I think maybe I have had one of those moments. It's like, okay, I just, I don't want to answer all the questions about the miracle. But Ahab experienced God's miraculous miracle in this moment. And Elijah thought Ahab was going to change everything. But then he realized that Ahab's not the one who's wearing the big boy pants in the house. Jezebel did. Jezebel is like, I don't care what miracle you just saw. I, I don't care what you just experienced. Elijah's going to die. Jezebel was calling the shots, and Jezebel was telling Elijah, Elijah, you're a dead man. I kill you. That's what she said. Now listen, today, that was a tribute to Dave. Today, Jezebel, I want you to hear who Jezebel is. Jezebel is an evil threat that comes your way. Jezebel is alive and working in our lives today. I, it's called the Jezebel spirit. It's something or someone who threatens your well-being. Because she threatened Elijah and said, by tomorrow, this time, you're going to be dead. Jezebel is, is threatening so many of us where we think that the situation or the circumstance that we are in, it's not worth living anymore. My brother went through that. My, my brother <laughs> made some really bad choices in his life. Um, harmed a lot of people, not physically, but, but just harmed people. And he got to the place where he decided, well, you know what? There's, there's no way out. The only way out is it's better for me to kill myself because then at least my wife and my child will get the money from the insurance. See, that's what Jezebel would do to you. It will convince you it's better for you not to be alive anymore. See, any threat on your life that comes your way that produces discouragement any threat that produces depression or despair. Or even as, as we're going to see in a moment, a desire to die. 
any threat is Jezebel. And you have to recognize it. And you have to recognize what you are dealing with. So when a boss comes and threatens you that you're going to lose your job for no reason, recognize what spirit he's working with. When situations around you comes and tells you that your life support is going to be cut down, recognize what you are dealing with. The spirit of Jezebel is known in the Bible also. It's called the spirit of manipulation. It wants to control you by using fear, despair, stress, anxiety, shame, guilt. It's the spirit of Jezebel. And Elijah experienced this. And what happens is when, when, when that spirit is present, like the way it was present right now for, for Elijah in this moment, what happens is it's like you are operating under a new Lord that's over your emotions. Your emotions and your thoughts and everything that you are going through are now controlled by this situation and this thing. And it's causing you to make the wrong decisions. And when the threat gets into your thoughts, your thoughts, they affect your feelings. And you see, when, when you and I, all of us, we, we are made up of three parts. Three parts to our being. You're made up of a soul, psychology, your thinking, your soul. You're made up of a physical being, your body. And we're made up of a spiritual being. That's why many people in the world, and, and, and this is our heart even for the church going forward. When, when we want to build a building, we, we don't just want to build a church. We want to build a life center. Because I feel, and I really believe this, that if you want to be healthy, you must do everything you can to make sure that you're healthy in all three of these areas. Not just one. The church plays a role in your spirituality, Yes. And God gives us instruction in His Word on how we should conduct ourselves, yes. But there are other parts that has to be healthy also. So, so we have to be healthy physically, emotionally, psychology, and also spiritually. And we have to know that these three, they are interconnected. There is a connection between, between how I feel physically, and for me, this is something that really affects me. Man, if I'm down, if, if, if I don't exercise, first of all, when I don't exercise, I become a different person. My mind becomes foggy. My mood becomes low. My, my emotions becomes elevated. I am not a great person. When I'm tired, I become dumb. I do. Like my word slur, I struggle to speak English. It's like my, my tiredness affects my body. When I don't spend time with God, it affects everything. It affects my body, my mood, my relationships, my vision, my goals, where I'm going, my motivation. It affects all of it. And, and I know I'm not the only one. And maybe for you, you're sitting here today saying, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to navigate my life. And I want to ask you, make sure that you are at a healthy place in all three of those areas. Do everything you possibly can because your life can look and be completely different. God, like such an example of, of, of somebody that, that took a step to say, you know what, physically, I'm not in a good place. 
instead of just casually addressing exercise and eating, he's been like how many, how long now, Gord, how many? Three months now. And, and how much did you lose? How many? Just over 40 pounds. You lost the Backstreet Boy. And, and what I love about it is your, your energy changes. But it takes work. It doesn't come casually. In 1 Kings chapter 19, all three of these areas are addressed in the story. And I want to show you so that you will understand how to deal with that which is currently controlling you. What is currently controlling your emotions? It says in verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And he didn't say this in the sense of, of saying to, to Jezebel, you won't believe this is so bad. He said it in the sense of, God just consumed an offering with fire. It was amazing. And he killed all the prophets. 450 of them. So, <laughs> Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with you, with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. So now Elijah is at this incredible high, everything's over. Now he lives under a threat for his life. Jezebel, the evil one, has threatened his well-being. And he's trying to figure out now, how is he going to face this? And this happens overnight. His whole life changes. It's like a 180 degree turn from go and party, Ahab, to, oh no, she's going to kill me. So what does he do? He goes on another day's journey. 15 mile run. Packs up early, he books it. He's out. He's going to run. He's running for his life. And then it says he leaves his servant and he goes for another day's journey, another 15 miles. So in two and three days, this guy ran 45 miles. No Adidas, no New Balance, no Nikes in the desert. And then it says he goes after he ran, and I think he ran faster than he ran the first time. He goes and he sits under a Jupiter tree in verse 4. And he requests for himself that he might die. He's like, it is enough now, Lord. Take me. Take my life. If I'm not better than my father's. He wants to die 24 hours after the biggest miracles He's ever seen. Man, it's a slippery slope. It's such a slippery slope. I've seen so many people go from high, God's amazing, awesome, God praising God, loving God, the next day, dungeon. And some of you have experienced that in your own life, your own emotional life. You're like, Sundays, it's so good, I'm on fire. And Monday, you're trying to figure out how you're going to get through the rest of the week. 
Now, this is such an important thing to, to recognize because I think this is a mistake that the church and people in the church and people sometimes in counseling, praying for people who have depression, discouragement. It's a mistake that we make. Elijah is not a carnal Christian. By carnal, I mean fleshly, immature, um, one that just follows the desires of his flesh. He's not a newbie. He's not something that's just new in his relationship with God. He's not an unspiritual person at all. He's not new to this. He's been called a man of God. He just experienced massive miracles. He destroyed Baal, the prophet. He raised a boy from the dead. He was fed by ravens twice a day, delivering food to him. He lived with a widow that for three years, her oil and her flour didn't finish. It was only, nobody refilled it. It just didn't finish. He experienced all of that. This guy is not new to his faith. He has seen God's presence and God's power in his life. So guess what? It's possible for spiritual people to get depressed. Do not feel guilty to think that you can't share with people when you are depressed and think that people are going to look down at you or people are going to think, oh, you're just weak in your faith. It's not the truth. Now, it is true that some of us can, can be stuck in our flesh. It is true that some of us can be only in the flesh. But Elijah was not. And I know many of you are not. So Elijah, he's ready to give up. He's ready to throw in the towel. Um, and when he's ready to throw in the towel, he lays down because he's so tired. He's been running for two days. In a desert. He's so tired. So he lays down under a tree, a Jupiter tree, which is the only tree big enough for a person to lay under. And then I want you to see how amazing this is. And then there was an angel who touched him and said, Arise, eat, in verse 5. He looked up and behold, there in his hand was a bread cake baked on, on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank. And he lay down again. Now, I don't know how many of you would have been super encouraged if you think about this. Because an angel shows up. And when the angel shows up, Elijah had this honest conversation with God. And he says, God, God, I want to die. I don't want to live anymore. God, take me now. Elijah is like he's done with life. But what I find amazing is, is that an angel shows up to give him food. Strengthening him with food. How many of you would have completely taken a step of, okay, I'm good now, if an angel shows up? Right? I'm depressed. I don't feel good. Not Elijah. You have to understand in how much despair this man was in this moment. For Angie, for Angie, Elijah, it's like this is not enough. 
But watch. So Elijah comes and he bears his soul's soul to God. He said, God, I'm ready to die. See, when you're so low, you want to throw in the towel. I love Elijah's honesty. It's not the time to play church. When you're so low that you feel that you're done, it's not the time to get busy with religious activities. Elijah gets honest and raw with God. He's God like, this is where I'm at. The, the second thing that, that I want you to notice is how, how God addressed Elijah in this moment. The first need that God addressed was his physical need. Physically, he addressed it. Didn't speak to him first. Because one of the biggest causes of discouragement and depression and despair is physical. We are physical beings. We can't get around that. If you're hungry, James says, if somebody is hungry, don't give them a prayer. Give them food. Oh, brother, I'll pray for you. No, I just want a sandwich. That's really what I'm after. Thank you for the prayer. But if somebody's hungry, if somebody's tired, let them sleep. We have physical needs that needs to be addressed. And Elijah, he had needs that had to be addressed first for him to move from his place of depression. So it's quite legitimate to examine yourself physically. It's a good thing to do. Because many of our emotional struggles is because of how we are feeling in our physical bodies. Are we getting enough exercise? Exercise is not just about building muscles. Are you doing the right things? Are you eating healthy? Are you sleeping enough? People who exercise, the thing that motivates most of them the most um, is they would say what happens to them is they feel more energetic throughout the day. That's me for sure. They sleep better at night for sure. They have sharper memories, yes. They feel more relaxed and positive, not maybe while I'm doing it, but afterwards for sure. So the question that you should ask yourself, which is a responsibility which you have to take for yourself, am I eating healthy? Am I treating my body the way it's supposed to be treated? And that's something that you can address because that's the first thing that God addressed in Elijah's life. Now, God addressed it supernaturally because he, he sends an angel to feed him. We know that Elijah can run because he's just been running for three days, 45 miles. So, so we know he's a runner. Physically, I think he's in good shape, but he was tired. Here's the thing why you need to deal with physical health. Here's the reason. And sleep and eating well. Because the devil knows that you are vulnerable when you are not healthy. It's the opportunity that the devil looks for to take advantage of you. Even in the case of Jesus, if you think of Jesus' life, when did the devil tempt him? It says he tempted him twice, two moments, two times that we know about. First time was after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And Jesus was hungry. And Jesus was tired. And the enemy came to tempt the man, the most spiritual being who's never sinned, in this world, he thought the best opportunity to tempt him is when he's physically hungry 
and tired. When's the second time he tempted Jesus? It says, because after he tempted Jesus in the desert, he tempted him three times there, specifically it's one event. It said he departed for a season, for a time. Second time he tempted him was when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass me by. It's a temptation to step out of God's plan and purpose. And it says Jesus in that moment, the moment was so stressful that he was sweating blood. Again, we see stress and anxiety. And those moments is when the enemy will come the most to try and tempt you. So we have to address our physical needs is an important thing to do. So the angel of the Lord comes in verse 7, and he comes a second time. And he says, arise, eat, because your journey is too great for you. Now watch this. Before he continues, he says to him, eat again, drink again. You need strength because you're going to a journey, and it's going to be 40 days and 40 nights. But you have to go to a place. You have to go to the presence of God. That's where I want you to go. When you are depressed, when I am down, many times, the last place I want to go is the presence of God. It's the last place. It's, it's like I would try to find alternatives. Watch another show on Netflix. Right? You know, when, what I'll do is I will raid the cupboards. And I would look for the most unhealthy thing I can find. It's amazing how we respond in the opposite to what we're supposed to do in the moments when we love. Where I know all I need to do is I need to go to God. Because that's where, where I'm not being fed right now. And it's the last place where many of us want to go. But God wants you to run to His presence. And he wants you to bring with you, bring your depression and your, your, your discouragement. Bring it with you. So he calls him into his presence. And this is where it gets really interesting. We're almost done. It says in verse 9, um, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, He said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, this is not a question like, we would sometimes say to somebody, why are you depressed? You shouldn't be. Don't you know? This is not God asking Elijah in any way of trying to make him feel guilty or bad about his depression. But what's interesting about this also is God doesn't ask why you're here because he doesn't know. Because he knows why you're here. He knows that he's frustrated. He knows it. The same way God didn't ask Adam, where are you? Adam wasn't that good at hide and seek that God couldn't find him. God's question was, where are you at? Where are you at? He's like, Elijah, why are you here? What's going on? Share your heart with me. God wasn't looking for information. What are you dealing with? And it's the same thing that I think God is asking you right now. What are you dealing with? And here's what Elijah says. Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord, for the God 
of hosts, for the son of Israel have for, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. The others, they've torn down your altars, they've killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Let's discuss what he's saying. Why are you in this situation? Why are you so depressed? Okay, God, you asked. I'm going to tell you. I committed myself to you. I serve you. I'm dedicated to you. There's other people outside. They are all unspiritual. None of them follow your ways. I am alone. I am alone. I'm depressed because I'm the only one. I'm alone. No one cares about me. No one cares about what I'm going through. No one's reaching out to me. No one's calling me. No one's texting me. No one's coming over to my house. I'm all alone. And I want you, what I want you to see is Elijah, in this moment, and in these moments, he adopted a victim's mentality. Now, a victim's mentality, and don't be offended by, by hearing that you might have a victim's mentality. A victim's mentality is a mindset that you adopt because of negative circumstances, things that's happening in your life that's negative, that says, I am where I am because everybody else, because of where everybody else is. I'm here because all of you are there. I am a victim because of where everybody else is. I'm a victim. This is why I am where I am, because of where you are, because of where they are. And, and I'd like to, to make the... the Analogy of saying, it's, it's basically saying, I have handed out remote controls for my life to everybody else. And they've been given the ability to control my emotions. He's got a control. They've got a control. She's got a control. Everybody's got remote controls for my life. And they can push any button they want because they are where they are at. And because I'm where I am, I, I'm controlled by them. And that's a victim's mentality. Now, please hear me. You might be a victim. Many of us have been victims in our lives, but we should not have a victim's mentality. Because of them, I'm here. And as long as you have that mentality, because of them, I'm here, you will always be a victim. I want to say this again. I know many of you might have been victims in your life. I'm not saying that hasn't happened. But don't give other people the control. Now, please don't, don't misunderstand and think that this is not being sensitive to where people are at. I know that many of you have gone through hard things. But a victim's mentality will keep you stuck in those moments. There are too many who have become victims of the devil. If it wasn't for the devil, I wouldn't be here. Guess what? He's not going to change. If it wasn't for this situation, I wouldn't be here. 
you know what? That situation might never change. So he says, come, tell me why you're here. And then God says, but don't expect me to pat you on the back and feel sorry for you. Because the thing that brought you here may never change. And many of us block out the supernatural. Where God wants to do the supernatural in your life, we block it out. Because we've become so comfortable with being a victim. Many of us, we are stuck in the situation of life. Now, a victim's mentality that we, we've experienced in North America, in the Western world specifically, victim's mentality can be racial issues. It's caused people to become victims. Social issues, class issues, gender issues. People become victims simply because of their gender. Do not give other people the control over your life. So Elijah was wrong because he says the following, I'm a victim and I'm all by myself. <laughs> this is the thing that, that is so amazing is Elijah is by himself um, because depression gets worse if there's nobody in your life to change your thinking. So if you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're talking to yourself, that's a bad conversation with yourself. If you're already feeling sorry for yourself and there's nobody to talk to you but you, about you, regarding you, to tell you what you ought to do, you aren't in the place that you will hear the correct thing. So God enters the pictures and the picture and he tells Elijah. Elijah, tell me how you feel. <laughs> and God says, tell me how you feel. Elijah, tell me how you feel. And you know why God says that? Because he's saying, Elijah, stop talking to yourself. Tell me how you feel. Elijah, come talk to me about this. Stop talking to yourself. Stop telling yourself how bad it is and you're never going to get out of this. Tell me how you feel, Elijah. Tell me about your situation and your circumstance. Because if it's just you, you are not good for you. And then God also corrects him. God gives him new data. And he says, Elijah, you're telling me that you're the only one? He says, there are 7,000 in Israel. You think you're the only one that's going through this? There are 7,000 that's still serving me. Elijah, you're not alone. Your data is incorrect. I got 7,000 people you don't even know. We have the same faith as you have, Elijah. Your data is incorrect. What you are going through when you are just talking to yourself about it and you're not speaking to other people about it, you are convincing yourself that what you are telling yourself is truth. And God is saying many, most of the time, it's not truth. And then God does something else, which is amazing. It says in verse um, 19, he brings a man into his life by the name of Elisha. And Elisha starts to follow Elijah. Because sometimes when you're discouraged, you need somebody with flesh and blood. You need somebody physically around you. Sometimes talking to God um, and His Spirit is there and, and He's real and He wants you to talk to Him. But guess what? 
What did God do? God said, I'm going to give you a friend. Look, I'm going to bring somebody into your life who's going to minister to you. Because right now you are ministering to yourself and you've depleted your ministry to yourself. That's why we need the church. That's why you need the church. And I said earlier to somebody, you know what I think how amazing this would be? And I know some of the young people think I'm crazy when I say this. Can you imagine if the world switches off internet? Oh, how good that would be. And we're absolutely amazing. Because it means you have to be in relationship with people. You have to be around people. There's no more online church. Sorry for those of you watching online. None of that anymore. Can you imagine when we get to a place where we are actually functioning in society, being relational with people again? How good that would be. On a side note, go draw your cash. Because if the banks close, your credit card don't work. So I'm just saying, use it, don't use it. God brought an angel. God brought himself. And God brought a person into Elijah's life to deal supernaturally with what he was experiencing. And one of the reasons that the church exists is to have people available in your life when you are down, who can embrace you, who can minister to you, who can lift you up. And please hear me. It's not just the pastors. Every single one of you. I'm, I was so encouraged to see um, yesterday when, when um, Rika and Darren they moved. I mean, we have our church body just jump in, loading vehicles, packing stuff up, helping them move. And this is the church ministering to the church. And in the same way, you need the church. You need somebody. You need friendships, people in the church that's not just going to pat you on the back and say it's going to be okay just to agree with your depression. But you need people that's going to challenge you. We don't deny the reality of how you feel. I'm not denying that. But I'm not going to allow you to live there. Some of you, you've been destroyed by Satan. He's attacked your life. You need somebody who can, because I didn't read that now. I skipped that part where God started speaking and there was thunder and there was like, you know, destruction. The mountain was shaken. The wind shook the rocks and there was fire. And, and there's in your life, there's, there's destruction and thunder and lightning and the enemy comes and he shakes up your life. And then it says God comes in the whisper. And, and, I, and I know that some of you, you need the whisper of a friend. That doesn't come to, to zoop you up. It's just that whisper of saying, you know what? God's got you. Uh, can I ask the worship team to come up again? I want us to sing the name of Jesus again. Some of you are being intimidated by Jezebel. Something that's threatening you and you feel that all you can do is run and hide under a tree and die. Speak to God. Tell Him what's going on. Right now, when we're going to sing, when the worship team's up, this is such a great time just to be honest 
and say, God, this is what I'm going through right now. I need help. And what's amazing is God shows up and He gives help. Can I ask everybody to stand up? We're just going to stand. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go into this. Now, I don't think for one moment that I just solved everybody's depression and discouragement problems. I don't think that. But what I do know is that God's given us tools in the life of Elijah to help you to take the steps so that you no longer have to live where you are living right now. If you choose to make the the change, God's there. He's ready. He's available. Speak to me. Stop speaking to yourself. Talk to me. Talk to him. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that, oh Lord, I know in this world right now, (laughs) Father, the suicide rate increased over the last three years. 700,000 people last year took their own lives, Lord. Father, last year, just... You know this, Lord, there were 1.38 million people that attempted to kill themselves just in North America. People who feel that they've got no hope. They just want to die. And Father, I pray if there's anybody in this room, in this place right now, I pray, Lord, that, that you will let them know that you are there. And no situation or circumstance is worth killing themselves over. And that we can speak to you and you answer. So Lord, I pray that, that you will speak to the hearts of everybody who's here right now. Father, and, and if there's people in this room who have people in their lives that might not be here, that you need to minister to, let us become your hands and feet. Let us become the Elisha for those on the outside that needs to be encouraged that needs to be uplifted and strengthened. Let us become that, Lord. Let us be your hands and feet and your voice. So speak to us, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.